Welcome back to From Hell to Eternity. I'm Brian, and this is my Bible study podcast. My beautiful bride and I, we're actually expecting a new addition to our family any day now. So as I try to balance family, work, and podcast life over the next few weeks, I'm actually just going to tackle some smaller passages of scripture instead of trying to tackle entire books of the Bible. Hopefully this will just help me manage my prep time. Um, We'll be jumping back into the Minor Prophets soon enough, though, I promise. I'm actually really excited about it. Just bear with me while I try to manage some a little bit shorter time spans for prep. I'll probably end up doing four episodes about biblical community. So this topic and chapters that I've selected, they've been on my to-do list since I started this podcast. So I'm actually really excited to just kind of chat through some of them. The idea of biblical community it really gets into what it means for a follower of Jesus to exist in a fallen world, not as an isolated individual or a segregated sect, but as one church body called to support, mature, and increase its membership. So this topic is so near to my heart. God chose not to use a large church setting or an eloquent pastor to draw me to him. Instead, I came to faith in Jesus because God granted me relationships with very specific people living out the idea of biblical community and sharing with me a gospel-saturated message. In this episode, I really want to introduce the idea of biblical community. But before I do that, we need to outline some terms. So church body. When I talk about the church body as a whole, I'm referring to all Christians worldwide. Everybody on this planet who believes that Jesus Christ is the one and only Son of God, who was born of woman, is fully God and fully man, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for our sins, was resurrected from death to life, opened a path to eternal life for all who have faith in him and who will return again. Everyone who shares that faith falls under the church body. You become a member of the church body the moment you are saved through faith in Jesus. Local church. So while the entire church body falls under the head ship of Jesus Christ, the entire church body does not attend the same church. When I say local church, I am referring to a group of believers that gather together within the same walls under Jesus Christ's ultimate kingship, but also under a local group of pastors and elders. The local church is the people that make up a church building's congregation. You attend a local church when you gather together for corporate worship on Sundays or maybe some other days of the week. The next term will be small groups, which you might also hear called Bible studies, or my church calls them connect groups. But these are smaller subsets within a local church. Small groups are subsets of people and families who can do life together at a more intimate level. Where you might be able to get lost in the pews of a large local church, small groups usually consist of like 6 to 20 people who know each other by face, by name, and by our personal stories. Small groups can be official, like a set group of people that meet once a week formally, or it can include a collection of other believers you consistently meet with to share life and share faith with. While biblical community absolutely involves praying for the global church body, and absolutely includes being a member of a local church body, I'm going to focus my biblical community attention on the area of smaller groups. 
In today's current environment, where corporate worship might be in person or it might be online, and where social distancing can be an obstacle to new conversations, it is vital to have a small group of people who you meet with consistently, who are part of your bubble, who truly know you, what you are going through, and who can speak both encouragement and truth into your life. Small groups are the mechanism God has used to bring me into the local church. And it's the same mechanism that God has used to mature me in my faith. I have also started and I've led multiple small groups now. If you are not involved in one, I highly recommend finding one. Our small group community has been a huge blessing to my bride and I. Over these four episodes, I'm going to focus on four passages in scripture that provide a template for what a healthy biblical community looks like. I'll have supplemental passages also, but we will really build around one focal passage per episode. If you are in a small group or you're working through these episodes as a family, then I recommend you plan and take like 10 or 15 minutes out after the episode and just talk through these passages and how you can apply them. This episode will focus on an introduction to biblical community. The Bible verse that I have on the cover of more notebooks than any other is 1 Thessalonians 2.8. The NIV translation of this verse says, So we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So, this verse starts to introduce the essence of biblical community, boiled down to two parts. Sharing the gospel of God with each other, and sharing our lives with each other. So, whether it's a church small group, planned family discipleship time, or just a group of friends unofficially gathering together. If we're talking about a more intimate group of people gathering together under this biblical community banner, where do we even start? Well, this is where the declaration of 1 Thessalonians 2.8 gives a really good foundation to build on. So we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So we care and we love together, but we don't just stop there. We also share together. But what do we share? We share the gospel of God and our lives. One of the things I recommend laying on the table early with people in your biblical community would be sharing your testimony. So your testimony is your story of how the gospel of God intersected with your life. If you are a Christian, it is the story of how you became a Christian. Relationally, this is important because it builds trust. We all have a story. We all have history. And even if we're on the same path, we might be at different points along that path. Especially if you are the lead of a small group or of a household. Letting people know that background, it can go a long way to genuinely sharing life with each other. Biblically, our testimony is very important for a number of reasons. I'll just list three for now. First, remembering our testimony is important. As the Apostle Paul says, starting in 1 Corinthians 1.26, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. 
And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So we are called to remember our testimony so that we can remember and boast in our God. We can remember what he has done. We can contemplate how we have been transformed. Second, talking about our testimony, it's important. Psalm 107 starts, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So we are called to tell others how God has redeemed us. Thirdly, how and who we talk to our story about is important. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus says, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So we should tell our story not just in church to our congregations, but at home to our friends and our families, with the focus of the story being on God, what he has done for you and how he has shown mercy to you. As a community of Jesus' disciples, our foundation of togetherness has been built upon what Christ has done for us and how scripture outlines our approach. We care together. We love together. We share together. But it's not just sharing things. We share the gospel of God with each other, and we share our lives with each other. So we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. A successful biblical community has to have a mission statement, and then each aspect of that mission has to have its own directives. So if your mission statement is to share the gospel of God and our lives with each other, what are the directives, and where can we find those within scripture itself? Well, I think the leader has a directive. The group itself has to have an external directive, and the group itself has to have an internal directive. Those are kind of the three areas. As a leader, I meditate on 1 Thessalonians 2.8, so we cared for you because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And I also meditate on the very next verse, 1 Thessalonians 2.9. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked day and night in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. So if you are a leader, you must recognize that you have an obligation to be available, to put in work, and not to add to anyone's burdens unnecessarily, and then to proclaim the gospel. If you missed my episode on the importance of having a gospel-focused approach, then I might recommend just kind of giving that one a quick listen. But the other sections of this, being available, putting in work, means not taking for granted what you're walking into and not turning off your phone or ignoring a call from somebody because you don't feel like taking it at the time. If you're a leader, you need to make yourself available, and you need to put in some work. Leaders need to remember that they are shepherds, yes, but that ultimately they fall under the one true shepherd in Jesus. They fall under him. They will have to give account to him. A little later in that same chapter of 1 Thessalonians 2, I think we also get a good outline of a biblical community's internal directive, how we are called to respond to each other. So I'm picking up in verse 12 now of that chapter, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. 
So we need to encourage one another and we need to comfort one another. But we also need to urge one another toward living lives worthy of God. Sometimes that is a balancing act, but both are essential. I'll talk more about these and some additional one another's found in the Bible in episode four of this series. But for now, internally, a biblical community should encourage one another, should comfort one another, and should urge one another to live lives in accordance with the scriptures. So, the leader has a directive. The community has an internal directive. But if we stop there, we still fall short of what a biblical community truly is, because there's also an essential external directive for any biblical community. That external directive is growth. A biblical community cannot be considered biblical if there's no interest in growing and multiplying itself outward. In episode 3, we will really focus on the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, but the two verses I will use to introduce this theme today are from the book of Acts. So Acts chapter 9 verse 31 says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. And then in Acts 16 verse 5, So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Biblical communities must aim to grow themselves, the local church, and the global church body. We need to do this through peace, and through walking in fear of the Lord, and through being comforted by the Holy Spirit, walking in wisdom, walking in strength, walking in God's word, and being open to multiplication. So leadership must recognize their responsibilities, yet still fully submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The community as a whole must seek to mature and uplift internally, and then grow and multiply externally. Those, I believe, are the directives around a strong biblical community. So before I finish, I want to take a few minutes to focus on some real practical application to what biblical community can look like. When I start or I attend a small group, what's the model that I look towards? What are the practical on-the-ground logistics that we can kind of point towards? Well, first of all, I would read Acts 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to breaking of bread and the prayers. We can clearly see in this verse some very practical applications that we can follow. We can share a meal together. So one of the best ways to do life with each other is to eat and joke and just hang out. Second, we can study the Bible together. We can read through God's word out loud with each other. The third aspect of this verse is that we can pray together. We can pray for each other and for other people outside of the group or other groups See my last episode on praying for our leaders? So another very practical logistical thing that a biblical community can do is it can focus on family or or on like vibrant and creative worship. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 through 9, you get, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house 
and on your gates. And then Ephesians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, they say, Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. The Ephesians verses were Christian Standard Bible translation. So we need to pour into the younger generations and be poured into by older generations. So I'm a parent with a young child and I'm about to have another young child. My biblical community consists of other parents of young children. We're all at that kind of same stage of life. When we get together, it's really easy to just kind of send the kids upstairs with the babysitter and then do dinner, Bible study, and prayer time without them. And that's fine. We all need that focus sometimes. But something that burdens me is that we also need to take some opportunities to disciple our kids together, to show our kids how we get together and we do worship and we pray together. So how we might do it might look different per group. But I think part of biblical community is making sure that at times we reach through generational divides in creative ways. One of the things that our groups have also done is we've made sure that as a younger married couples groups, we've planned picnics and other things with some empty nester groups or other groups that are a little further along in their stages of life. Just ways for us to reach out across the divide. And then at these gatherings and these picnics, we have our kids and they have their kids or some of them have their adult kids. And all the generations can also see how we really do life together across the board as a church community, as a biblical community, as a local church community, as a global church community. See how we all interact with each other. And it's just a great discipleship time. Galatians 6, 9 through 10 says, Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. That's CSB translation again. So going into the generational and the creative worship theme is the idea of community outreach within the church, coordinating with other groups, participating in the activities of the local church. You don't always have to reinvent the wheel whenever you want to do community outreach. Just make sure you engage with what's already happening around your community and what your church might already be doing. So in addition to community outreach within the local church, biblical communities should engage with missional outreach well outside of the church. Things like community service and engaging in evangelistic relationships. So James 1.22 says, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. That's the NLT translation. And then we need to marry our doing with our ability to answer the question, why? In 1 Peter 3.15, Peter says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. What Peter is saying here is do community outreach. Do it within the church. Do it outside the church. Do missional outreach outside the church. Always, though, be prepared to deliver the gospel. Always be prepared if somebody asks you, you know, something just seems different about you, and I'm not sure what it is. Always be prepared to be able to give an answer that points toward Jesus. Do it with gentleness and respect. Is this idea of don't be the guy who gives somebody a sandwich and then stands on a soapbox and screams at them. Like, 
use relational tactics, like engage with people, discuss with people, community with people, fellowship with people, be what the people need you to be and be prepared to have an answer to the questions they might have about the Bible, about Jesus. So practically, when we gather together, we can share a meal. We can study God's word and we can pray together. Then we can scatter together to engage in family discipleship, in church activities, and in missional outreach outside of the church. Over the next couple of episodes, I'm going to dive in further into some of the themes that we talked about. Next episode, for instance, we'll talk through what biblical community is. We'll answer this question by working through Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. After talking through what biblical community is, we'll take one episode to unpack what the purpose of biblical community is. Our text will center around Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, the Great Commission. And then we'll close out our four-part biblical community study with an episode diving into the traits and characteristics that should be displayed by biblical community members. This is where we'll focus more on those one another's that we found throughout Scripture. We'll particularly have a focus on Romans chapter 12. But for this episode, we'll land the plane where I started, with 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. So we cared for you, because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So care for your community. Love your community. Share the gospel with your community. Share your lives with your community. Aim to glorify God, to grow your love for Jesus, to mature as disciples of Jesus together, and to multiply the church body. Thanks for listening. The first Thessalonian verses were from the New International Version, or NIV, translation. There was also a smattering of CSB and NLT translations that I tried to call out. But unless otherwise noted, the other verses were from the ESV, English Standard Version, Bible translation. Until next time, I love y'all.